High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, world history students, U.S. history students, U.S. history two students, and European history students. Oh, and an extra special shout out to that cool teacher out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the Slumber Party's at my house tonight. But first, today is a very special day. It's late June. Summer's upon us, and I know exactly what you're thinking. End of the school year. Well, maybe you should hold off on making summer plans. We will just have to wait till those report cards come out at the end of this show before seeing what you'll be up to this summer. First, of course, we're going to talk about this awesome film. 2016's The Edge of Seventeen. Hope you did your homework. If you did, I'm sure it didn't disappoint you, because I think it's an awesome film. Our guest today is none other than Cage Club Godfather and Network co-founder Joey Lewandowski. I actually got to spend some quality time with Joey over the weekend. It was nice. He threw like a little housewarming shindig. He just bought a home. Congratulations, Joey. And thanks for the invite. And, you know, I'm sure I made a fool of myself in front of his friends, but whatever. I mean, I am who I am, and I try not to be, but whatever. Uh, also got some FaceTime with a lot of cool Cage Club Network hosts. It was pretty awesome. Actually hopped on Kara and Jordan's Wistful Thinking show, and that episode's already out, so you can check that out on cageclub.me, cageclub.me. It was great talking to them and seeing them face-to-face. I'd met Kara before, the first time I met Jordan, the first time they'd seen each other like in years, which I didn't even realize. Uh, by the way, I love that podcast, Wistful Thinking. Definitely want to check it out. Also got to mix it up with, you know, oh, Joe too. That was cool. He was telling me about... Uh, him and Joey's trip to Orlando to see the, what's it called? The, oh, the Fast and Furious Supercharged Ride or something? I don't know, they opened up some Fast and Furious Ride. I just listened to that episode on their podcast, and it was actually really fun. Made me want to go back to, like, Universal Studios and Disney World. And that's my cue to stop name-dropping Cage Club hosts. (laughs) After all, we have the dawn of them all today, Joey Lewandowski. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's take it away with a song from the soundtrack of this film. Santa Gold's Who I Thought You Were. Class dismissed.
So I can't believe th the list of movies you gave me today that you hadn't seen till recently is like mind-boggling. So this is something that I talked about on a bunch of podcasts that I did with Mike, because my Fantasy Baseball League, which if you're playing the Joe 2 drinking game, take a drink, my Fantasy Baseball League <laughs> has been yelling at me for years to watch these comedies, because like I was telling you, there were a long, there were a long list of comedies that I just didn't see, because I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of things growing up, and then I just chose not to watch those, because like in college I got really into like... IMDb's Top 250 and the AFI Top 100, because those are the movies that people are talking about. And then <laughs> after I got out, I'm like, well, there's no point in me seeing Superbad now, because like, I'd rather just see new movies. And so there was this whole list of like comedies, like basically all the funniest movies in the last like 15 or 20 years. And so ahead of our Fantasy Baseball draft this year, my friends gave me a list of <laughs> movies to watch. Wow. And I watched like 20 of them. There's the one that they had me watch that I didn't have on that list because I couldn't finish it because I was so bored by it was Super Troopers. I just could not get into that. But overall, the, the, the endeavor was a rousing success. I really enjoyed a lot of them. Step Brothers is wonderful. <laughs> that movie, The Baxter at the top, is, is delightful. But anyway, like American Pie was not on that list, but I watched that movie today so that I can listen to your episode with Kyle and then, you know, this Friday's upcoming episode, part two, just so I sort of knew what you guys were talking about. Doing your homework, uh, yeah. Doing my homework, yes, because like I said also, up until the movie that we're going to talk about, I had never seen any of these movies that you did on your show, which is sort of baffling. I mean, some of them were smaller. Like, there, I don't think there's any reason that I would have seen Get Over It, but... <laughs> You know, the fact that I hadn't seen American Pie, or, you know, my friend Dahmer was at Fantastic Fest and I didn't go see that, or Better Off Dead, like, I didn't see that either, and I was just like, oh, these are finally giving me a reason, this podcast is giving me a reason to watch these. Good, I'm glad. I feel like we're reliving high school together now. Like, we're going to high school together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Through the power of film, you know. By the way, the voice Ooh. you're hearing, everyone, Joey Lewandowski, the godfather. And you know what we're doing today? What are we doing? We are writing the most egregious wrong in Cage Club podcast history. You better believe it. You better bet your ass. Because I am unofficially always the first guest on every podcast. Like, it just happens that way. Because they're like, oh, he's never doing anything. He can just be on my show. But instead, <laughs> you went with your two friends you've been friends with forever. And I was like, cool, I get it. Kyle and Mike, okay, cool. And then episode three came around. Not the guest. Episode four, not the guest. I don't even know what episode... And then Kyle's back, and I'm not even on the on the show yet. So, <laughs> I mean, I get it, but also, I'm glad that we're fixing this. I, th I was thinking the opposite way. I'm like... This guy is, like, running a network with how many shows do we have There are now? 18, although there are now apparently two in the works, one of which, you know, Kyle has been touting on this show when he stops by, <laughs> and there's a new one that's in the works that uh, just bubbled up to the surface this past weekend, so we are closing in on 20, but right now it's 18. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. You're a busy guy, I so I figured, you know, I, I, w I wouldn't push you, you know, I, I'd wait till the movie came to us naturally. Uh, yes. Also, I didn't know it was an unwritten rule until I looked back. You were our first guest on PSL of Hoffman, but that was just by chance. That was, was by chance, obviously, yeah. Obviously, we were going chronologically, and you right. picked a really early one, My Boyfriend's Back, which is also a high school film. Yeah, the uh, which is a great movie. And if you do it again for this, I would love to see that movie again, because Bob Balaban is, I just love him in that movie. But yeah, I was I was just sort of by chance the first guest on The Contenders, and the first guest on Wistful Thinking, and the first guest on your show, and the first guest on Mike's show. And I think I host all the other shows on the network, so I, <laughs> you know, I've been on the first episode. I just want to see, while I'm looking, 
monkeysclub.me. Were you the first guest on Monkey Club and perhaps the only Oh, guest? I was, yes. I was on King Kong, okay. the first episode of that. Uh, Winona, <laughs> Winona and Real Bad only record locally, so I haven't been on either of those, but that's not against me. No. Oh, and now and again, I guess I was like the third guest. So I would say 80% of the time, you know, you're just Most a minority. You're just one of the cool outsiders. That's what it is. High school terms. I finally got the popular kid, I guess, to my slumber party, Ooh, boy. so I'm happy about that. Yes. <laughs> Mom dropped me off outside. <laughs> Joey, I mean, you've listened to the show, I hope. I've listened to all five episodes so far. Good, We're good. We're recording a little bit ahead of time, but yes, I've listened to all six episodes, seven episodes so far. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be. So I hope by now, perhaps you know how we introduce ourselves here at High School Slumber Party. Yes, I sure do. Joey Lewandowski, 100 and Central Regional High School, class of 2006, go Red Devils. Red Devils, interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So so what were you... Tell me a, bit, a little bit about you in high school. What was the Joey Lewandowski high school experience? Oh, it's like? completely unremarkable, which I think... I was thinking about this today. I think that's why we're all doing what we're doing in podcasting <laughs> watching movies, because none of us had remarkable high school lives. I mean, maybe that's true. I think I mentioned it to Kyle. I don't know if I left it in or not. Like, you know, if we studied more, we probably wouldn't be doing podcasts for free. But that's great, because we oh, get to do that. Oh, well, I mean, I, I crushed... High, well, I didn't really crush high school, but I, I crushed high school enough to humble brag incoming get a full ride to college, so that was good enough for that. But I thought you were on an athletic scholarship. No. To D3 Ramapo College? No, thank you. <laughs> I tease. No, but uh, unremarkable in high school. I the, the biggest revelation of the show is how cool Mike Manzi's high school experience was with his, like, nine oh my TV God, best yes. friends or whatever. That was cool. Guys, if you haven't learned to the, listened to the Better Off Dead episode with Mike Manzi and Kyle, but... Mike Manzi, again, the, the co-founder of the Cage Club Podcast Network, yep. his high school experience was one of the coolest I've ever heard. He was like a true punk, you know, like a true high school yeah. punk. You know, I don't know, I don't know if you've heard some of the episodes that we've done, because it only comes up from time to time, but like recording with Mike, you know, Mike is uh, an open, friendly person, but he doesn't really share a lot about himself. And then all of a sudden you're on a podcast, he's just like, oh yeah, X, Y, and Z. I'm like, wait, what What did you just say? He's just like, <laughs> like, it's the most casual way to reveal news. And I give him a hard time. Like, I'm, he knows that I'm joking, but like, he just says things and I'm just like, wait, why are you saying that? Like, that's like a thing that we've had many conversations about. <laughs> One of those with me was like his really deep Nordic heritage. Yeah. I don't know if he's gone into that with you, but like, I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I spent time in Norway. My whole family's from there. I was like, well, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, sure. Why not? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you always get those little nuggets. That's why yep. any show he's on is very interesting when one of those pops up. Yep. So um, the movie we're doing today, Edge of Seventeen. Yes. The Edge of Seventeen, I guess? I guess so. I didn't actually look at the Blu-ray. I have the Blu-ray. What is it actually, Edge of Seventeen? What's the Stevie Nicks song? Is that uh, The movie is The Edge of Seventeen. I think this, the song is just Edge of Seventeen. I'm going to look it up right the now. The song is Edge of Seventeen. Yeah, so this is uh, one the better than the song. Yeah, this is the... Edge yes. 17. <laughs> Regardless, this is a movie I haven't seen before. I had heard good things because when I was doing research for this podcast, yeah, and you just type in high school films, yeah. it's on everybody's like at least top 25 list that are like Cause it's great. current. Yeah, but this is something that you're a good watcher of modern films. Well, thank you. I am not. I'm very behind on my modern films. Like, when I talk to Kyle or Manzi, it's like they've seen everything. I'm like, oh, yeah, I still got to go see that. I, I'm more of a nostalgia guy. Sure. So 
I missed I, I miss a lot of modern high school films, which again I'm glad this podcast lets me see these now. Sure. I, and I'd heard good things, but I didn't know this film was this good. I feel like if this film was this good, I should have known about it more, if that makes sense. Well, so this was a Christmas release, I think, two years ago, I want to say. So like this past yeah, Christmas was Greatest Showman, which, again, I adore. Go listen to Zack Attack. But I think this was two Christmases ago, like December 2016. And I remember, because November and December are the big months for movies, because there's all the Oscar movies that are out, there's all the Christmas releases, so I'm in the theater a lot. And I don't watch trailers, as you probably know, but mm-hmm. this trailer was on before literally every movie and it was got like this huge marketing push and i don't watch it but i sort of was able to absorb enough and i was like this movie looks terrible like something about the trailer and i didn't oh, really? watch the trailer i should have but the trailer i was like there's no way this is going to be good and then it came out it was getting great reviews and i was like let me go see it and i was like oh man this movie is amazing like i think no offense to the other movies you've picked but i think both objectively and subjectively this is by far the best movie that you've done so far in this podcast and i also think that you know you could do another dozen or so movies and not have a movie as good as this like this is just good for what you're doing but also just good as a movie yeah spoiler alert guys when it's all said and done 20 years from now when i've done every high school film whoa 30 years perhaps not wow. i don't know <laughs> i doubt it'll be that long but you never know. When you have a high schooler of your own. <laughs> yes. When I have a high schooler and a whole high school of my own. Wow. I don't yeah, know how that's going to happen. Okay, I'm into, I'm into it. Podcast high school. Oh, okay. Young. <laughs> no, when I have Cage that, Club I high. guarantee... Yes, Cage Club High. We should do like an animated series, Cage Club High, like all of us as high schoolers going to a high school together. Sure. Nobody would watch or listen, perhaps, but that's okay. Nobody would Nobody would illustrate it either, so I mean, there's. it's not going <laughs> to get off the ground, so that's totally fine. No. No, but it's very self-indulgent, and I feel like that happens a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But still, at Cage Club High, this will be, I still think, in my top ten. You know? Yeah. uh, Certainly. I mean, like, you're right. Again, no spoiler alert for the end of this podcast, but it's definitely the best film we've done so far. And and a surprise to me, because, again, I had never seen it. Let's just dive into this one. Well, what I think is also really interesting, especially because... In this regard, and this regard alone, Brian, I want you to be clear about this, I'm glad that I'm not the first (laughs) guest, because I've had a chance to watch these movies and listen to your conversations about them, and hear the things that I sort of knew that were tropes, but to see in such wildly different movies, time and time again, that show up again here, but still manage to feel fresh, it's the falling in love with the guy that you shouldn't be in love with when the right guy is right under your nose or the teacher who just like gets you man or like you know your sister or your brother dating your best friend like all these things that you've seen in so many movies they're all here like if you describe what happens it's like oh this is sort of like a generic you've seen this movie before coming of age movie but i think it's the performances it's the writing it's the it's the way that it feels real that is just great yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the writing. It's one of like the best written yep. movies I've seen in a while. And it's not it's something I wanted to say off the bat. This is like like you said, I, you hit the nail on the head. If I were to explain this movie to somebody, I don't know how I could explain it in a way that would make it seem original. No. Cuz a lot of it is unoriginal sounds so bad. So I don't want to say unoriginal, but a lot of it is But it is. is. Like it's not tropey. it's not incorrect. Like there's I think if you think about it like there's only like 12 stories, right? There's only a handful of stories you can tell. It's about how you twist those stories and what you do in telling the story that makes a movie worth watching or not worth watching. And this, between the performances and sort of the nuances and sort of the way that it 
feels like it could actually happen and the way that they sort of use like technology and texting and not like overdo it but get it right and just oh it's yeah. all these like little right. things that add up and just there's nothing bad about this like the only you know detractions you can pull, take from it is that it's you, it's a story that you've kind of seen before but every story is kind of a story you've seen before yeah, well, I mean, look, I'm not a play guy, but I know plenty of them. I mean, and these people watch Hamlet year after year after year. And, I mean, at a certain point, they're not watching for the story, right? Obviously. Right. I mean, it's, it's the same story told again and again, yep. but it's just like how it's executed. And I think it's from doing this podcast, because, again, the last podcast I did, the only podcast I've ever done besides this, P.S. I Love Hoffman, obviously everything was in a different kind of story. This is kind of, now I'm noticing all these stories are repeating, and I'm seeing kind of, different takes on the same things. Yep. And, and The Edge of Seventeen just takes a lot of similar elements from films I've already done, films I've seen, and just, I don't even know what it is. It just rocks it. A lot of it was kind of predictable, too, but, yep. like, that wasn't a bad thing. Nope. I, I, like, it blew my mind. It, 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 this is going to sound so corny, but, it, like, again, I come from, like, a writing background, and it kind of made me believe in writing again. Yeah. I've been in somewhat of, like, a writing slump. I haven't done too much of it. Because I've been working on this beautiful thing for you guys. No, but... Because <laughs> I, I was feeling a lot of like, well, all these stories have already been told. What can my perspective change things? But I kind of like... This movie made me think like, well, if you just do the freaking thing right, it's okay to kind of tell the same stories. It's just, yeah. you know, do the thing well. And this movie just like does it. And when you have Woody Harrelson being maybe the best teacher that's ever graced a screen, like, it's, you, you, it doesn't matter what you give him. Like, he's just crushing it in this movie. Look, I don't want to take up a ton of your time, but I'm going to kill myself. I just thought that someone should know. I don't really know how this works. I'm probably going to jump off uh, an overpass in front of a semi, so or a U-Haul, maybe just on a bus. I'm not going to be a dick and make people watch, but it has to be big. It's got to be so big that it just, done, kills me, lights out. Because if it just maims me, and I'm like, well, then how is that good for anyone? Then I ought to find a nurse to smother me. How am I going to get across smothering if I'm... We don't need to get caught up in the minutiae. I just thought that an adult, so you should know. Wow, this is uh, a lot to take in, Nadine. I, I wish I knew what to say. Well, I was actually just drafting my own suicide note just now. Dear everybody, as some of you know, I have 32 fleeting minutes of happiness per school day during lunch, which has been eaten up again and again by the same especially badly dressed student. And I finally thought, you know what? I would rather have the dark, empty nothingness. I really would. It sounds relaxing. Have a nice life without me, fuckers. You are so gonna get fired when I actually do it. Well, not for sure, but I can dream. Yeah, and sometimes I like. Sometimes I'm afraid Woody Harrelson's going to go into. And wh when I say what I'm gonna say right now, I do love a lot of these actors. But Jeff Goldblum, for example, like Jeff Goldblum, I I'm a Jeff Goldblum fan. Yep. But now he's kind of like over Jeff Goldbluming. Like it's not his <laughs> fault, but he's like everywhere now, right. and and he's like a caricature of himself. I'm always afraid Woody Harrelson, because he's just so damn good in like these little parts, is going to sort of become that. I kind of felt that maybe happen after Zombieland and th and things like that. But 
Like Bill Murray. That's yes. a good example. He's like that too now, you know? I don't want Woody Harrelson to be put in that category because he's just, he's just so damn good. Like, there's no way around it. But he's really good in this. He's great in Three Billboards, which is a movie that I do not think is very good at all, but I think he's great in. I think that it's, it's easy for actors to fall into that, hey, come be yourself on screen and we'll give you a hundred grand or a million dollars or however big the part is, but... I think it's movies like this, like just the, the little ways, like I forget, <laughs> at the end of the movie, you know, when she, uh, when Haley Seinfeld has her like breakdown moment and she goes to his house and he goes in, she's like, what is a baby doing? He's like, oh shit, how'd that get in here? And it's like these little <laughs> reactions where it's like, oh right, like you're just amazingly comedically gifted, but also just able to crush the dramatic parts too. Like you are, like he's a teacher of both whatever class he's teaching history, I guess, history, uh, where yeah, he just puts in movies history. and walks away. Um, or <laughs> just like, it was also just like teaching her about life, but also teaching us like, you know, you can, you can still act like you can be a part that you've seen over and over again. Like that teacher that like gets you or whatever, but he's able to do it in a way that really feels new and feels fresh and feels like somebody you've actually had in your life as opposed to like, oh yeah, that reminds me of that teacher in that movie that one time. Yeah, I feel like another actor could have ruined this part. Probably. And this he just is awesome. So I, I don't want to forget this. Every week on the podcast, yep. I read either the back of a DVD cover, sure. Blu-ray cover, whatever's topical to the time. This movie's so modern that I'm going to read the Amazon like rental summary because I feel like that's fair sure. for a 2016 movie. By the way, 95% of Rotten Tomatoes, so the critics love it. 83% by the audience, So because fuck that, you know? This should be in the 90s. I don't understand why it's 83% by the audience. It's okay. I, I don't believe in Rotten Tomatoes anyway, so we're all good. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> in the vein of the classic coming-in-age films like 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club, The Edge of 17 is a poignant and hilarious look at what it's like to be a teenager today. Growing up is hard, and life is no easier for Nadine, who's already at the peak awkwardness with her best friend Krista, wait, sorry, sorry, I'm bad at these, when her best friend Krista begins dating her all-star brother, Darian. All at once, Nadine feels more alone than ever. With help from her reluctant soundboard, Woody Harrelson, she soon discovers that what feels like the end of the world may just be the beginning of growing up. That's a pretty good one. I like it. A lot of these I've read have been pretty bad, but I think we're just better at society at summarizing things, so. Yeah, we've gotten good because there's there's more of it. You got to be better. You got to sell your movie and not really give it away. It's true. You can't do the old blockbuster thing of just the cover. What are they calling his her her all star brother? Yeah, that was kind of weird. That was the one thing that like stuck out to me. Although I do love Blake Jenner in Everybody Wants Some, which if you you know if we ever do that spin off of college movies for summers or whatever they could be talking about, I definitely want to get on that because that is. A movie that I also adore. Have you seen Everybody Wants Some? I have not, but it's already been recommended to me three times oh, on this podcast. It's so, so good. I need to see it. It's that. so good. It's just so watchable. <laughs> like it's Link later doing Days and Confused, but in college about a bunch, bunch of baseball bros, and that sounds like the worst thing in the world, and it's just the best thing in the world. Sounds awesome to me. Yeah. <laughs> you love baseball. We can talk about baseball. Yes. So that if we do the college spinoff, that's definitely on the list. <laughs> so Blake Jenner, you mentioned. Yep. I think he's from Glee as well. Sounds right. Didn't watch it. 
That's what I was told. Okay. <laughs> um, Haley Steinfeld, yes. Fields, and Nadine. She kills it in this. She's I don't great. know why she's not the most famous person in America right well, now. Well, not she's doing a singing thing. I think she just wants to diversify her portfolio. Oh, really? Like, I didn't even know who she was when I saw this, and I just think she's so awesome. Oh, she was in True Grit. She, like, broke out in True Grit. Yeah, that's what I was going to write, because on this, on the... This is the, you know, the salad days of this podcast, right? But we've already done movies with both the, what's her character's name? I wrote it down. The Maddie. We've done uh, this film with the modern Maddie. And Kim Darby, the mother from Better Off Dead, was the original Maddie in the original True Grit. Oh. Weird world we live in. Yes. Wow. (laughs) So already we've gotten our True Grit little girls in. Sure. Good. But she's just like so, she's like so freaking good at this yep. character i don't uh, this sounds crazy but and i'm not I, I like juno i'm not anti-juno but like ellen page got so much praise she really for did. doing this role in juno silencio old man look i just drank my weight in sunny d and i gotta go pronto and i didn't see nearly enough praise for for Haley steinfield in this film which i think it's on-par performance, if not better. Well, I think what Juno did was Juno was like this brand-new slap in the face from Diablo Cody, and she was just like, hey, this is a new way that people can talk. It's a new way that, you know, girls can be the lead of movies. It's just great. And I feel like by this point, we've had, not enough, probably, but we've had enough strong movies with female leads or whatever, like, of this type, that it's like, oh, cool, like, you have a confident, although it's totally not confident, you know, high school, like, cool high school girl in a movie that it sort of feels a little bit like old hat, because this is, what, like, eight or ten years between Juno and this? Like, it's been a while, right? Yeah, must right? be. Must so, be. There's, been, there's been a bunch of time. I think Juno was just so unlike everything, but I also think because of that, it doesn't necessarily hold up. Like, I tried to watch it a couple of years ago, and there's just, like, every line has a quip in it. Like, yeah, everything no, I mean, I, I loved Juno when it came out, but, like, lately... When it's like been on TV and stuff, I haven't. It hasn't been able to hold me for more than like ten minutes. So when we visit that, I'll de- I definitely want to make like a reassessment. But then I was gonna say you have a Lady Bird that came out last yep. year that everybody was talking about. Like I, I don't know how. And you said there was a big marketing push, so it clearly wasn't that. I remember the commercials for this film. That's pretty much it. I don't know how this movie. It feels like to me like this movie went a little bit under the radar, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I think so, too. I didn't look up the box office numbers. I don't know how well this did. I don't. Uh, that's not something I looked into, either. Let's see here. Budget was $9 million. It made worldwide 18 So it's just, it's just a, a sort of a smaller movie. I don't know. Maybe I'm overhyping how many trailers it had. Maybe it didn't have a big marketing push, because, I mean, an $18 million turnout is not big. I just remember seeing the trailer a lot and thinking it looked bad, and then people were like, no, you should see this, and I was like, oh, okay. And it was great. Well, I, uh, you say you don't like Rotten Tomatoes, and it's funny because this is the first commercial I ever saw that like cited the Rotten Tomatoes ranking. Yeah. It was like, Edge of 17 is getting, you know, blah, 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 good reviews according to Rotten Tomatoes. And that's all I remember really from it, and like, oh, Woody Harrelson's in a movie about high school. Those like later TV spots make it look like Woody Harrelson is like a much bigger character than he is because he's he's like the highest named actor I guess. Yeah. But uh, like I don't know, this movie like really went on the radar. Just want to get through this cast quickly. Haley, another Haley, Haley Lou Richardson plays. Oh Krista. my god, I love her. Have you seen Columbus? That's a movie that's on my list of movies. Oh I my god, see. Columbus is like a perfect movie. 
Columbus came out last year. It's like I think it was like in my yeah. top ten. Columbus is just wonderful. It's her and John Cho, who I think is in the American Pie, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so a little <laughs> bit of a uh, high school connection there. But she's so good in that movie. She's great in this movie. Man, yes, she's great. So good. Uh, yeah, no, that's Columbus is a movie yep. definitely on my list of I need to see it. I was gonna see it like in in theaters and I forgot and then you know I didn't remember it till I saw her in this. <laughs> um, who else? Kira Segwick, the closer. Yep, I think. <laughs> um, I did a Philip Seymour Hoffman movie with her, but I can't remember which one because it wasn't very good. Sure. Uh, we said we said we said Woody Harrelson. Yep. The only two like. I guess notable people, or they're not notable people, notable characters. Hayden Setso plays Irwin, and Alexander Calvert plays Nick. Apparently he's from Supernatural and Arrow. Wait, who's Nick? Which one's Nick? Nick Nick is the bad one, no? That's, oh, like, yes, 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 okay. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't recognize him. God. I don't recognize him or Irwin. Yeah, no, I mean, this is not like a, what I would call like a big cast. Right. I ask this question every week, but do you think that they looked like actual high schoolers? I think Haley Steinfeld, I think they're close. I think that they're probably she and Haley Lee Richards are probably about like twenty to twenty two, I would guess. Yeah, I, I honestly like I was gonna say they're probably a little older, but it's still acceptable to me. Cause you know, we're we're doing over on Magic Mike's we're still we're we're starting from the beginning of Channing Tatum and going new and his first movie or maybe one of his first movies No, his first movie I think was Coach Carter. Hold on, I gotta make sure I'm I am i got I gotta I can't I can't be wrong about this. Let me see here. <laughs> Channing Tatum's first film was Coach Carter, yeah, and that he was that yeah, that's a high school movie, and he was twenty five, and he kind of looks sort of the same as he does now, just like with less muscles, and he's sort of still a high schooler through much of these movies, like you know, a lot of oh five, oh six, oh seven, or a lot of high school, and I also came from Keanu Club, where Keanu was a high schooler for what felt like fifteen movies, so I sort of had this wide <laughs> breadth of, hey, that's sort of an acceptable high school age, but I do think that they're close enough here. And I also don't have a sense of how old people are. Like, I realize as I get older, I'm sure it's the same thing for you too, I don't know if somebody's like 14 or like 20. Like, I just don't... Like, they all sort of look the same. No, no. I, I think we only point it out on this show when it's like, it looks like a grown-ass man is playing yep. like a 15-year-old. And I didn't get that sense here. There was nobody that really, like, took me out of it. Yeah, ha- Haley Steinfeld was... looks like 20 when this came out. And Haley Lou Richardson, I don't know. But that's that's close enough. Like, it's... Haley Lou Richardson would have been 21. Yeah, so they're, they're close. May, like, okay, if you want to say the guys look a little older, maybe, but I think, like, Blake Jenner's character, Darian, is, he's kind of supposed to be just, like, an all-star, as they say. Like, he's definitely not supposed to be that awkward, gangly teenager. Oh, wow, Hayden Setzo was 30 when this came out. 31. Oh, really? Yeah, he was born in 85. And Blake Jenner was 24, so he's a little bit older, too. It, it, what, what's weird, because the movie sort of makes it seem like he and Haley Lou Rich, or, I mean, sorry, he and Haley Seinfeld are almost like twins. I guess they're like a year apart, maybe, but it feels like they're just growing up together, right? But you look at them, and it's clear that he's like four or five years older than her. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one difference. And even even the like the couple, Darian again and yep. Krista, mm-hmm. like they, they they don't look like they're in the same grade if they're supposed to be. But I, I think like you said, I think he's supposed to be a year older. I don't know. Like that's a little weird. But I'll tell you what, what we've seen so far on this yep. podcast is that mostly the mostly the guys are the ones who are played by younger actors, and the women are played by older huh. actors. 
because but not here honestly like the biggest reason is like oh so we can show the 24 year olds tits and not the 15 year olds oh yeah like when you get the fast times when you're they're like playing 15 years old but they're both getting naked because they're both 18 or 19 or whatever it's like oh this is uncomfortable yeah <laughs> you tread a lot of that so be- because yeah. the women tend to be more sexual positions in these films like i'm not saying that's great but they always cast like older ones i mean that sure that's what i've seen so so this is kind of a reversal of that so good for that oh one other person i want to mention though is the writer director kelly uh Furman craig or F- freeman craig she's yep. she's awesome i like i looked her up she's she's like in her 30s which is cool and she was given a chance to like tell this story and i think she just kicks just this is an amazing story and it's written so yep. well but I saw she did another film called Postgrad, which I've never seen, which got... No, I'm looking at it right now with Alexis Bledel and Michael Keaton, and it looks like it has terrible yes, ratings. Yes, yes, terrible reviews. And I actually I actually like Alexis Bledel, and I like Michael Keaton, so it kind of disappointed me. But I'm happy, like, after a crappy reviewed film, she got to, like, make uh, this film. Yeah. I look forward to more of her filmmaking, if that's ever going to happen. Absolutely. You never know. You get these people, like, with one-hit wonders, and for some reason, they're just never given a shot. Because it really... It made money, but it didn't make crazy money. Right. So I, I, it would be a real shame if she didn't get to tell any more stories. I'll put it that way. I'm sure she'll be able to. I mean, there's, there, it's easier than ever now to tell the story you want to tell. It's just you might not be able to make a studio movie. But if she has this under her belt, which is a major studio movie, and she's able to go make another movie on her own, if that's good, too... I don't see why there's any reason why like they can't give her another ten million dollars because because you know ten million dollars into a studio is like a rounding error you know what I mean like <laughs> if you're able to make this movie for nine million dollars and it gets you you know did this get any award nominations like Academy Award nominations or no, no I didn't see anything like I didn't see any so serious she, awards. Haley, Haley Seinfeld was nominated for a Golden Globe for best performance by an actress in a motion picture musical or comedy. But no Oscars, and that was the only Golden Globe. So a little bit of recognition. Yeah, but, good, good for know. the Golden Blo- Globe. Sometimes I yep. forget that far in press. But I, I didn't see really anything except like small festivals and stuff. Sure. Uh, yeah, like a Critics' Choice nominee. I'm looking now, like Teen Choice Award nominee. That's one of my favorites. Oh, I love those too. Oh, she wa- she lost that year to Emma Stone in La La Land. So I mean, she was never going to beat La- Emma Stone. So no, no, that that's very Critic true. Darling. Well, she won New York Film Critics Circle. Cool. She, uh, the director did. Um. So okay, you know, like, but it deserved more. Is my point because sure. I don't know. Yeah. That's why awards are kind of bullshit. Because I would they are. I would be super super happy if I ever like made a film like this rather than winning an award for much crappier movies, which happens. Sure. So, yeah. awesome movie. So, I mean, uh, what do you want to talk about with this film? Anything in particular? I want to talk about Irwin. And I, was, and I was thinking as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, I was such an Irwin. And then you get to his house, and it's a mansion. He takes his shirt off, and he's ripped. And like he's this amazing artist and filmmaker. I was like, oh, wait, no. I have none of Irwin's <laughs> you know, abilities other than just being like the friend. You know what I mean? Like It was this... I was like, oh, Irwin. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, Irwin's completely not relatable anymore because Irwin's like, he's he's the best friend. I mean, I guess it's sort of the same thing in Kirsten Dunst and Get Over It, right? Like, it's like, oh, the backup plan or the, the girl that you could just have or whatever, not what, you know, I'm sort of generalizing yeah, it. Yeah, no, like but the, you're right. The one that you're not lusting after, it's like, oh, no, she's a beautiful woman or this kid is like rich and ripped and like an amazing artist. It's like, oh, no, they're not like just like the every person. It's the amazing person that you've never really you just you're just an idiot for not paying attention to 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and that kind of makes it easier for us as an audience, like when the characters are put with a choice. But it's also like, the most surprising thing of that, not that he was rich or whatever, like, which is great, obviously, he has a huge house, good for them, whatever. But like, like you say, he's so ripped. He's like yep. so built. So like, mm-hmm. they try to play him, and it sounds like I'm criticizing the film, but this is something that like, it just does like well, like, it's it's gonna sound shitty, but it's still awesome. Like, he, they try to play him off as like a big nerd, and and he acts well because he's like, he is that kind of spazzy. But I don't know, like a a dude that ripped, like that talented. <laughs> like I don't know, like it's just. A, I think he's just lacking confidence. You know what I mean? Like that's that's his only downfall, and he gets the confidence by the end. I'm just glad that he. You know, it might not be real, but there's sort of that fake out at the end that, like, oh, wait, maybe he has another girlfriend that this movie was actually about, but no, like, he's with Haley Seinfeld at the end. Like, that's, it's sort of this fake out that, like, I don't know if, it feels sort of cliche, but I'm also glad that it went that route. You know what I mean? Yeah, and a lot of this stuff, like, I was thinking the same thing. A lot of this stuff, if played at to a worse performance, might, yeah. might have come off as really stupid. Sure. But that, like, I knew it was going to happen, but a part of me was still like, oh, yeah, maybe he does have another girlfriend. Maybe it's going to go that way. There were a lot of moments that I thought maybe it's going to go a different way, and then it didn't, but I was completely satisfied with the way it went. I'm also glad that it doesn't necessarily go the way that you think it's going to. Like, when she gets in the car with that bad boy, oh yeah, after she sends him the lewd text accidentally, and he puts the moves on her, and I'm like, in my in my memory, because I'd seen this in theaters, and I hadn't seen it since, and I was like, does she, like, give in to him and, like, feel bad about it? But no, she, like, she rebuffs him, and he sort of, you know, goes again, or I, I don't know, maybe, you know, it, it's sort of on that cusp, but, like, you, you feel like, oh, no, she still has her integrity. And it's it, you sort of feel like you're, you're worried that the movie is going to take that from her in this moment of weakness, but she still is strong in herself and knows that this isn't right. I can't believe this is happening. There's so much that I wanted to tell you and ask you, and I just can't believe this is happening. Um. Oh wow, this just, this just keeps going back, doesn't it? I don't know if I should. You should. No, get off! Get off! Off! Okay! Get off! Okay! What the hell? I, um, I really liked that song earlier. What was the name of it again? I don't remember. I can, I can just Google it. Anyway, do you maybe want to go for a walk or something? We could maybe catch a movie. 
sit here silently in your Mercury marquee all night. Are you serious? What? What, now you're making fun of my car? What? No, I, I, I was just being specific. I wasn't saying that because it's shitty. Alright. No, God, no. Look, I love your car, okay? I don't even have a car. I'm just acting weird and this is just all a lot. And please stop. Please don't leave. Yeah, it, the outcome there was the best it could be, really, like, yep. in term, for the film. I was afraid of that. I was afraid, like, she was going to give in, feel like crap about it. Or, like, I, I, my darkest fear was that he was actually going to rape her, you know? And I'm like, yep. mm -hmm. so glad the film did not go in that direction. For a lot of yep. reasons, but, like, yep. that's, you know, that's always a freaking cheap thing when that happens. Um, not always. We were talking about it on another podcast recently, and I don't remember what it was. It was on the Only God Forgives podcast, and I don't remember what it was, but it was something that that movie did. Oh, it was the use of strong, like, harsh, like, crass language, like, specifically dropping, like, the C word, to show that, like, oh, like, they're just intense, or, you know, it's just like this, like, lazy shortcut sometimes. And I feel like, we talked about it on that episode, go listen to Boyfriend Material, the Ryan Gosling podcast. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry, Brian, but whenever I'm on your podcast, Brian, like, I just can't help but plug all my other shows. <laughs> but, go for it. Uh, we were talking about how when rape is in a movie, yes, it's effective in saying either she's been through, you know, generally it happens to a woman in a movie, like that she's either been through something traumatic or that that guy is a monster. But it also is the laziest way to get that across. And so I'm glad that that wasn't here, like, because she's been through so much already that she, the only person that she feels like she, that was, that loved her in her life, her dad died, and then she lost her only friend who's now dating her, her brother, and she just feels like she's gone through so many trials to then, on top of that, like, have to be a victim of sexual assault is, like, that's just too far. Like, she's already been through enough. She has enough to overcome. You don't need to burden her with that. You already know that she's sort of been beaten down and, like, you know, lacking confidence and lacking ability. Like, it just, I'm glad it didn't take that extra step because it didn't need to. A hundred percent. Fuck! What? I, I don't understand you. What, do you. what? What do you want? What do you mean, what do I want? What do you want? I, I, to talk? To get to know you? Not just do it in the first five seconds? You wrote me a novel about how you were dying to blow me in Petland, you psycho. I'm not here to get to know you. This is so stupid. So stupid? Why didn't I listen to my friends? Come on. Come on. Well, now you're gonna try to make me the bad guy. You're the one who messaged me. I hope you hit a tree in this piece of shit. I hope you get fucking paralyzed. I'm gonna do some more plugging right now. So, sure. So Kara, host of Wistful Thinking, first pointed this out kind of to me and Kyle back on PSL of Hoffman when we did Patch Adams because there's a random, like scene where, where like our main heroine is murdered by a guy yep. and it's just like mm -hmm. unnecessary violence against women and you know when they yep. say like when these things are pointed out you can't unsee them like yep. every movie since then that has had something like this and i'm not accusing this film of of even close to going that far even if that happened because this is a well-written film directed and written by a woman but it, like, you can't unsee those sort of things, and now, like, it's turned some movies that I thought were pretty good 
bad or like at least shown it as lazy writing. So I was just, yeah. I, I'm in the same boat as you. I was so hoping that it didn't not go that way because that would have just, like you said, she's already been through so much. She didn't need that. But instead they turn a scene that could, that could have gone like south in so many ways and make it a positive, which again, such great writing in this film. I don't. I don't even yep. know what else to say. Like it's just such great writing. Well, because even even when the movie plays out the way it does, that like, you already know that that guy is a not a good guy and b not the guy for her. That you don't need him to be even more of a monster. Like he's just like he's just an asshole. Like you don't need to be him to be an asshole and a monster. Like he can just be the wrong guy for her, and that's cool. Like it's just she's trying to find out who she is. So I'm just glad it doesn't take that extra step. And I do. While we're talking about Kara, I do want to thank Kara and Jordan for sort of opening my eyes and opening my mind to the way that you view movies, as Jordan always talks about on Whistle Thinking, about viewing things through her lady lens. <laughs> and so when Mike and I have been watching Watch the Throne, you know, we're more, like, we. I thought before that we were pretty good in terms of recognizing when movies weren't good for women, but now that we're doing an entire podcast about an actress, even one as awesome and as, you know, acclaimed as Charlie Theron, to see how many movies she's in that are not only not good movies, but that she's got terrible roles or nothing to do it's like oh like it's more of an epidemic than we thought or when she's in a good movie or when she has a good role she's like the only woman in that movie like it's this weird terrible not weird it's just this terrible institutionalized sexism of hollywood that just keeps women down and it sucks but to have a movie like this starring a woman and written and directed by a woman you know a a movie that could be and probably should be and maybe will be covered on the contenders like it's just great and i'm just so happy that this movie that doesn't at all match the experience i had because i wasn't uh you know an angsty teenage girl with one friend with a my best friend dating my brother like that's not me at all but like the fact that i'm able to relate to it and sort of get so much out of it is just a testament to how good this is yeah oh, it's just i mean you hit the nail on the head with that it, it's so true and like i said i mean i had i had friends in high school obviously not obviously i guess people didn't know me but i had friends in high school and i had a girlfriend but i still could relate to this protagonist so much yeah you know like uh, you just you think you're so right all the time and you're so selfish but you have no idea you think the world's against you and everything's coming down look this is this is a movie where a lot of these characters are dealing with grief but you wouldn't think that's like not that she ignores her father's death. It's obviously like a big deal. And it, it's affecting the mother. It's affecting the brother. And that's like revealed a lot too. But it's just that, that that's that teenage angst of like yeah. when it's the first time like your world is rocked a little. Like you're, you're coddled a little bit until then. And again, it's not the first time her world was rocked because her father passed away. But it, it, it's like the first paradigm change in a social setting and sometimes you just at the time you don't know how to deal with it and you lash out in such weird ways but i never hated her in this film i never thought like oh she's so annoying i just related and for a movie to just i love when that happens you know well because the movie does a good job of establishing who she is and why she's this way and she's not this way because you know she's just 
a mean asshole or something. You know, she's this way because she's gone through things, and yeah, she can be off-putting, but also life has kind of beat her down. And you see how good of a relationship she had with her dad, and how good of a relationship she's had with Haley Lee Richardson's character, and then to see both of those taken away, you're like, oh no, like, this is, like, devastating. You can see, you know, maybe that doesn't excuse her actions, but it explains why she is the way that she is. Good writing you know good writing. It, com- it comes down to that just freaking good writing yep i mean it just the all the characters almost are like fleshed out to an extent i mean I, like i mentioned the mother i i think she's a great a great character it, i love how it shows you the how the relationship with the father was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but it still hurts her when she loses yeah. him, and it still sends mm-hmm. her life in a tailspin. And so many teenage films that I watch don't really deal with, a, like properly, I'll say, with a parent's struggles. You know, a lot of them present the parent as either, like, not being able to connect with their teenage child, which is, it happens here, but more in, a, like, a different kind of way. Like, they, they're so structured that they can't connect. This, yeah. this is, like... The humanity in the mother to me is just, mm-hmm. I just, I love it because it's like, I, you know, I don't have any children, but I'm 30. Maybe I'll have children someday. And I am scared like that I'll be a, like a terrible parent or that the little things that bother me in my life now are going to really affect how I am as a parent. And I rarely see that in teenage films, like how, how affected she is and how she's trying to move on with her own life. You know what I'm saying? And I think that what the movie also does really, really well, not to blow too much smoke up this movie's ass, <laughs> but is that she has that, like, awakening when she calls, you know, Darian home when he's out with his friends having a good night out, you know, just at a bar or wherever they are, and he's like, why, like, he's like, you're the adult, why do you keep doing this? And we see her like, oh, you're right, like, I'm wrong here, like, I need to grow up, like, you see that she's affected, and she's so affected by it, and also, you know, the stress of losing her husband, the stress of having, trying to find a new mate on the dating market, or whatever, that she's just not aware of how she's really coming off to the kids, I think, and it just, she's not at all the main character of this movie, but she still feels not like a collection of cliches she feels like this character who you understand and again not necessarily can justify the way that she does things but you understand why she is the way that she is yeah and, and i think you you make a good point she's not the main character but these characters are so well written again like you said we, we're really kissing this movie's ass but it's true these characters are so yep. well written that i can imagine a movie being built around a number of them from their perspective this is sure you know this is from nadine's perspective but you could see it from the mother's perspective you could see it from the brother's perspective you can even see it from you know her friend's perspective like it, it, it's they're just they're just really really fleshed out characters well i think the same thing is true of ladybird like it's not at all the mother's movie but like she is the probably the second main character and like it's it's she you know lady bird is living her life essentially through her mother yeah yeah and it's it's fun when when like you've done way more than me but when when we do these podcasts like this to like yep. finally see the little things that make a good film and they're not yep. universal but there are just certain things that like oh wow if more people did this like, tried harder at doing this, there'd probably be more great films out there. Oh, I mean, believe me, like, we are, you know, 
I am hundreds of podcasts deep here, and I cannot wait for the day that, you know, as, as much as I love Ryan Gosling and Shannon Tatum, I cannot wait for the day where we only do the Fast and the Furious movies and then the pit stops of the movies that we want to watch, because I am so tired of watching bad movies. <laughs> and I love the way that we've done it in going through chronologically, as you did with the Philip Seymour Hoffman, that we've done with a whole bunch of different people. But at the same time, most movies are not great. I mean, there are a lot of great movies, but most movies are not necessarily worth watching. And to have to for like force your way through those, it's not fun. And so to have a podcast like this one, where you're able to pick and choose, you as the host are able to pick and choose the ones that you're even like, you know, somebody recommends a movie that you don't want to watch, you don't have to do it. Like you have the entire history of high school movies that you could just be like, oh no, I'm not going to watch that movie because I'd rather watch The Breakfast Club or I'd rather watch Fast Times or I'd rather watch whatever. And that's cool yeah and what's good about it because like i still will watch the bad movies and i still like talking about bad movies trust me i do but i i can plug in a movie like this right after and it can restore my faith in humanity like with ps i love hoffman there was a streak of just like not performances but just movies i wasn't very interested in we'll put it that way of his And, and you know it's a it's an interesting genre for sure but this this film again i i'd be very surprised if it's not in the top 10 at the end of this this podcast's life it's great one thing i wouldn't want to bring up uh well i guess what did you think of the relationship between um i guess the brother's name is darian and, mm-hmm. and the friend like a, a couple things i'll note off the bat is i liked how there's that like underlying theme of like in almost all these films of just like the social structure and her brother's like a popular guy obviously i like how how the friend why am i forgetting this friend's name wait i'll get you they all have oh krista i like how krista once she's in the circle with her brother not that she wants to leave nadine because she does make a big effort to include her but she definitely. Oh no, she's she's pushed away because of Nadine. Like Nadine yes. says, "Pick me or me or him," and she's like, "No, I'm not going to do that." She's like, "All right, cool, then you pick him." So, you know, Krista, it's not Krista's fault that she's ostracized. This is firmly Nadine's fault. Yes, but she she goes through the motions of playing the the these uh, social structure games with uh, Darian's friends. Just like, oh, cute outfit. But, I mean, that's not a bad thing to do. She's just being nice. And I think she, it's coming from a place where she really she cares about him, you know? But I love how that's mirrored at the end with with Erwin. When Erwin, I guess he's like, I don't know, he doesn't say, you're, you're my girlfriend now, but, but Erwin and um, Nadine, I don't know how to put it. They don't consummate their relationship, but they're both like, I like you, you like me, we're together. And then yep. I think he says the same exact line. Oh, he says, come on, let's say hi to some people. Erwin. That. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, wouldn't go that far. No. It's all right. <laughs> it was amazing, really. Oh, thanks. And uh, I got the message. All right, I know, I know she's me. But I already figured out how great you are. And you're so fucking great. You're like the best person I know. What, are you, what's wrong? Um, the, the film wasn't about you. 
shoot. I just, sorry, I thought maybe because the hair and like the cool shoes that. Oh. Wow, I'm one of those people that thinks everything is about them. This, mm. this is just the messing with you. <sighs> yeah, I'm just messing with you. I set that up. You shithead. Yes. You. I feel pretty good. You All being right. nervous for once, mm -hmm. and I'm just over here, like just, just looking at my flowers. <laughs> I hate you so much. You free to hang. I um, cleared my whole schedule for you. Oh, good. Come on, let's add to some people. Dude. Guys, this is Nadine. Hi. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. That was so good. Oh, yeah. God. I just took over it. Oh, it was amazing. And then Erwin introduces her to his friends. And I'm pretty sure yep. the brother says that at the beginning with... with He says something like, I want you to meet some people or whatever. Yeah, it yeah. might not be like word for word the same line, but it's like... But it's the same mentality, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just like, it, it's... it's uh, they can stay together, Nadine and Krista, because after all, she's dating her brother. So like, they're going to still see each other. But they, they're able to like carve their own little world with like a different group of friends and i don't know erwin's friends look kind of cool like they look kind of fun well they're they're our kids you know they're they're at the filmmaking event like of course they're gonna be cool like they're just the weirdo outcast <laughs> outcasts who like are exceptionally talented are gonna go on to make movies like this yeah or podcasts like this or one. Podcasts. No, probably not <laughs> but but it, i just like that again all these high school movies they play with that social structure thing but this one does it in such a honest yet rewarding way that it's not yep. like how can i put it? every movie i've seen so far the jocks have been the bad guys and like and in in, in one sense darian is the bad guy here but really truly the bad guy is nadine like everybody's just sort of doing their own thing right like she's the only one who has a problem with anybody and i think what really hammers that home in a good way is that at the end of the movie I don't remember exactly, but he's just like, look, I fucking love my life. I have a great life. Like, why do you have to hate on, like, I've done this thing. I've done the social thing. Yeah, dad died, but, like, I'm over it. You know, like, he's like, yeah, I, my life is great, and I love my life. Like, there's there's not more to it. Like, you could do the same thing. And, like, that is such a cool speech that I don't think you really ever get. You know what I mean? Because he's he could be in another movie, the stereotypical, like, jerk brother or whatever who steals your friend and you know makes you feel bad or embarrasses you or whatever but here he's just like he's just trying to live his best life he is and it's not his fault that nadine is struggling through high school she's just not social enough no and he's not doing it in a dick way either because in the same speech he's saying like essentially also like look what i'm doing like i'm here for you you know when mom yep. calls me i do that he's not rubbing it yep. in her face he's just like I don't know. I, I like I could describe, but he's just like showing. He just he's just being honest. Like that's the best way to put yeah. it. He's just being honest, which which is great. Like I can't say enough about the the great things with uh, with this film. Just some some other quick things. Like you mentioned with Woody Harrelson, so great. I do love that they didn't go like. This is something I was afraid of too. Like that. Oh no, he's gonna like hit on her in the house, or like he's gonna put the moves on her, and this cool teacher's actually turn gonna turn out to be a creep. Very happy they didn't go in that direction as well. Yep, that was something that I was, you know, okay, right, like I wanted to like this teacher, you know. So, so um, they created that atmosphere again. You mentioned the whole the whole baby line and stuff. 
I like. I mean, he's he, he's got a life that's like as good and as secret as like Hawkeye in the Avengers movie. Sort of spoiler for that, I guess. But like Hawkeye is this like wonderful family that nobody knows about. Or on Parks and Rec, like Jerry is like the punchline yes. of everything. Again, here, <laughs> you know, he's sort of the punchline. He's like this like beaten down, downtrodden teacher who doesn't care, doesn't seem to care, or whatever. And you go home, like he's got this lovely wife, he's got this newborn baby, he's got a nice house, and like he's like you know, it might not seem it, but he's got a great life. Yeah, he does. And I I like how the wife kind of implies like she went through some tough times as well to Nadine. And to to me, it just shows like what this, he's a great guy in his own way. Like he, he's just, of course he's probably had troubles too, but whatever. Like he's, he's just, he's the weirdest positive influence, you know? Like he's not like coddling, but he's perfect for her. Uh, not the wife. I mean, he's he's a perfect mentor for Nadine. Well, so I think the entire, like, what your, your point can be summed up when he reads the note, the text, the message, whatever, that he's, that she sends the bad kid, you know, the, the, the guy that she eventually tries to hook up with or whatever. You're complicated and simple. And I just feel this connection between us feel like I already know you. This is kind of sweet. I mean, I think you're overreacting. I just want to be with you. I, I want to give you head. I want you to put your mouth on my tits. I want to feel you inside me. We can do it in the Petland stockroom. <laughs> Say something. Oh my God, say something, please help me. You need to watch out for run-on sentences. But can't you just do something? Can't you just, can't you just do something? You've got to be able to do something. You, 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 you come on, you, you. I don't know, maybe confiscate his phone? Um, uh, um, uh, oh, his computer, his computer. You can, you can maybe um, get his address. If you get his address and you confiscate his phone, great. Get his address, you give it to me. I'm going to go there and I'm going to... Um, Nadine, Nadine. Just take fifth period off, all right? Try to relax, Uh, listen to some music, have a yogurt, Uh, maybe just, just just take it easy. Can you do that? And uh, if you have any, you know, complications, let me know. Okay? Okay. Don't worry. It's gonna be okay. Thank you. Can I have some money for the yogurt? I want change. And he reads it out loud, and she's like, say something, and he just says, you need to watch out for run-on sentences. (laughs) And it's like, we're gonna gloss over the fact that, like, I just said out loud, I wanna feel your mouth on my tits, I wanna feel you inside me, all this different stuff. I'm not gonna, like, we're gonna pretend that didn't happen. Here I am now, as your teacher, learn grammar, basically. And that's just, (laughs) it's like, I get where you're coming from, we can't fix this, I'm gonna kind of make a joke, but I also do have your best interests at heart. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's such a, that's such a great scene. So, any other scenes you want to talk about, or any other things in this film that you enjoyed? So, there are three little things that I made a note of that I don't know that they necessarily require full conversations. Number one, I think this might be the first time in the podcast that we've gotten, or maybe it was in Better Off that I don't remember, 
but we've gotten younger versions of the protagonist that we see her grow up in this movie a little bit. Yeah, I don't think we've had that yet. No, definitely not better off dead. I mean, okay, we're not counting a flashback from like six months before where they're technically younger. Right, yet. no, yeah, like this we see her as a little girl, then we see her as a 13-year-old girl, and like we see her, you know, with her dad die and everything, and it's like, you know, Mike and I would always pay attention to that when we did Cage Club or Keanu Club or whatever, because it doesn't usually happen in movies. Like, it's not, you don't usually go through time like that. And what's also really kind of cool in that regard is that when she's a young girl, we still have current day Haley Steinfeld giving the voiceover, right? And she's saying, she's like sort of narrating her childhood. And then what I thought was really clever was that her voiceover is interrupted by Krista as a little girl, talking to herself as a little girl. Like, she's like, oh, excuse me, like, let me get the water so I can, like, you know, put water in this bug. And I just like that the, the, the idea, like, I don't know if I've seen that in a movie before, the idea of voiceover narration getting interrupted by a character on screen, like, that's just clever and cool yeah. and unique. Yeah, that really was, now that you mention it. And so many people say, like, oh, it's poor writing flashbacks or poor writing Not when voiceover. it's done well. Exactly. You do something well, it's not poor writing. Yep. <laughs> and, and this... It, it did, you know, this, you hit the nail on the head with that. So what were your other two points? Number two, oh, I like that her, like, you know, if, if it's a movie where her dad has to die, and I get that it is because it, that's what sets her up for life, I'm glad it wasn't in a car accident. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where a guy dies behind the wheel, but having a heart attack behind the wheel. Like, I think that's just like a, sort of like a, it feels like that came from something real. You know what I mean? Yeah, that made it seem more honest it really did because if you're like oh her dad dies in a car i was because ex- I, I i remembered that he died because i mean we already seen that he was dead in the movie but i was like does he like run into something or does he get hit by something and no he just has a heart attack while driving and dies in front of his daughter and that's you know terrible yeah yeah it's terrible but it's so visceral mm-hmm. not that this is this is also terrible too but like han dying in your fast and furious like that that uh hashtag justice for han (laughs) yes that's uh that's like sometimes they use the exterior car accident as a way to play out some like different not fast and furious is a movie about cars so i'm not criticizing that bad example but um they just use it as like something to make the scene like more dramatic as it than it is but it doesn't have to be you know like that's so much more it hits home so much more Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Fully agree. And my third little note was that my parents never went away for a weekend like they like the the main like the Kira Cedric does in this movie. Or, you know, Irwin's parents going away for three months. Like I never had the house to myself for like a weekend, let alone three months. So I was jealous of them in that regard. <laughs> yeah, I mean I I do get it though. Like it makes okay, a lot of these films that that we watch on this podcast it makes no sense why the parents would be out of town. Like, uh, it just is is silly and it's convenient so there could be a party. But this film kind of made a... Irwin's, I don't, I don't know enough about his parents. But, right. But for uh, our main characters, she's a single mom and she wants to date. And she trusts Darian so much... Yep. That he's, like, he does feel the weight of being a little bit of a surrogate father figure, which is unfair, because he's, like, her age, if not older. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it it made sense to me that she would go away for the weekend and leave Darian kind of in charge. Like, she just, 
she's transferred a lot of again they didn't have the best relationship the parents but she's transferred a lot of that like co-parenting to again unfairly her teenage son so yeah they did go away and i'm super jealous like it it made sense to me there rather than there's always like it's usually like a throwaway line like oh my parents are out of town you know like yeah like visiting grandma like they you know so I loved it, and that was like super real about this film. Well, that's something that I'm looking. That's uh, that's something that I really like about It Follows, which is a movie that I was trying to bully you into doing this, and <laughs> we realized that it's not a high school movie; it's a college movie. Still, maybe we'll do it one day. <laughs> but the parents are. Have you seen It Follows or no? I have not. I was going to, and then I thought we were going to do it for this podcast. So I'm like, let me wait. But I might see it soon now. So the parents are still in the picture. Like, they're not out of town, but they're not part of the story. And there's like a, there's a thematic and there's a story reason for it. Because the movie's about the kids. The movie here is about the kids, too. But because there's only, like, four or five people, like, Kira Cedric needs to be, like, an actual character. And they write her as an actual character, so it's sort of have to get her out of there. But, like, that's what I like about It Follows. Like, it's a world where there's no lazy excuse, like, oh, no, my mom's just not home or whatever. There's just... She's there, but she's not involved. And I think, like, that's a really unique, interesting element of that movie. So... Even when we talk about that, <laughs> remind me about that. Again, I, I like when they do that. Just a quick comment on the parties. That first, if you want to call it like, the pool thing, a party, yep. that was more realistic to me and my, I guess, growing up than these like huge house parties with the red cups and all that kind of stuff. That uh, Apparently it happened to other people. I was left out. I wasn't invited because other people on this podcast <laughs> have told me that they attended many of these. But like to me, the, those are more the parties. Like, let me have some of my friends over, and we'll go swimming in the pool. Yeah, just him and like four dudes, just like swimming and like just drinking and whatever. Like that was it was a a hangout more than a party. Yeah, and I th- I feel like that probably happens more often. But I guess it's just not as dramatic for films. You would think there's a rager every weekend. It, if you didn't go to American high school, like you're some, yep. someone from Europe, and you watch our films, you would think we have house parties every weekend. And maybe they did again and didn't invite me. But like that was pretty. That was that was pretty accurate representation. I thought. Yeah, it seems like the only guest so far that actually lived that life a little bit was Alex, right? Growing up in Texas. Yeah. Because yeah. like everybody else was like, oh no, like I just hung out with friends. Like I didn't really go to these like crazy parties. Manzi sort of implied it a little. Well, yeah, but I mean, Manzi's <laughs> living that hashtag blessed life, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, but uh, I was like, oh man, I keep, I keep I keep missing out on at least at least on those two. Oh, one more thing I wanted to mention in this film. It's, cool. it's produced by James Brooks, James L. Brooks. Oh, yeah, because Gracie Films comes at the beginning. I was like, oh, the end of every Simpsons episode yeah. is the beginning. I was like, this is sort of like a sequel to The Simpsons. <laughs> I saw that. And, hey, there's an animated sequence. We're getting a lot of those on this podcast. Truly, yes. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that, that guy, everything that guy touches is gold. You know, Taxi, yep. Mary Tyler Moore, Simpsons, obviously. I, I, lo- yep. I looked it up, and he won a Best Director Oscar for Terms of Endearment. A very mocked film, but still. He uh so I'm happy like a guy like this probably read the script and said, "Wow, this is really good writing. I I can't wait to be a part of it." And you know I'm I'm just so happy this movie was made. <laughs> yeah, me too. So if there's no other things you want to mention, let's rate this film. But what what on a scale of one to five, what should we rate this film? Are we just doing a number? Or are we picking an object? No, no, no. We're sorry, I should have asked that better what creatively, what object should we rate this film on? What should our scale be? Ooh, ooh. I feel like it might have to do something with... 
how oh, mm, I, I have two different scales in mind, but I feel like a higher number on both is bad. <laughs> I'm thinking of wait, okay, no, here, here, here's here's what we're gonna do. I don't know the word. I think we need an adjective for it, but it's the type of hamburgers you get when all else in the world is shitty, and you just go to the drive-thru, and you get those hamburgers, and it makes up for the rest of the... Like, when, when they go out to get the hamburgers, mm. right before he dies, and he's like, look, he's like, you know, everybody's miserable, the world sucks, but, like, look, we're gonna have hamburgers right now, life is great. So I think it needs to be, like, you know, some kind of, like, whatever adjective it is for those kind of hamburgers, scale of one to five, like, one is like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good relief for the world, and five is like, nothing else matters. We we actually rated on hamburgers in my friend Dahmer, so that 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 would make sense for this one. Maybe that's just your universal rating scale. It's <laughs> hamburger scale. Hmm. I'm trying to also think because there's <sighs> also like you know something about like cringeworthy messages to send to a guy, or <laughs> how many bags of cat litter you want to buy at the pet store, or what else happens in this movie. If you could find a, w- a word for those hamburgers, great. If not, we might just go with the cat litter. Yeah, let me just think. Let me try to think one more second. How about this? Okay. On a scale of 0 to 35 minutes on your lunch break, how many minutes would you want to spend with this film? <laughs> hmm. Me? Honestly? Yeah. I'm going to give it my... Well, I was going to give it my 5 out of 5 what's, which is whatever it was, but that's rare. But if we're going 35 minutes, yeah. I, I'm going to give it my rare... 35 out of 35 minutes. Wow, you want to spend your whole lunch break yes. with this film. This is, like I said, this is something that I say, top 10 high school film at the end of this, this whole podcast. Yeah. I'm going to get, because I don't want to be one of those people who doesn't give out the top grade, you know? Like, sure. like I don't want it to be the elusive top grade that no film is ever going to be good enough. Um, the, the top grade has to exist. I know some people feel like perfection is not obtainable whatever this is not perfection but it's still you can get an a and not be perfect you know yeah like this to me 35 minute lunch break out of 35 minute lunch break five bags of kitty litter everything (laughs) this is everything i want in a high school film i'm gonna i'm recommended it already to so many people this is the as close to perfect as a high school film as you can get well, just so that I don't break the curve for the rest of the class, I will give it 33 out of 35 lunch minutes. Uh, I mean, I, I, lo- I love this movie. I could give it a 35 out of 35 minutes, but I'm going to say there's probably a few that I like a little bit more. I mean, you know, Valley Girl is wonderful. If, if and when you do Valley Girl on the show, cannot wait to do that. There's a lot of high school movies that I love, but I'm going to give this one a 33 out of 35 lunch minutes spent with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> great, great. No, I mean, it, it's that good. It's that good. I only expect to give out about 10 of these top scores. So Well, so I wasn't the first guest, but I was the first guest on a great movie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you're, you're the first guest on... Maybe, maybe we'll do a little Hall of Fame, or maybe we'll give, a, well, maybe we'll give it a varsity letter one day. Who knows? Oh, yeah. It, it'll graduate with honors. Want- like a trophy case. You could do like a trophy <laughs> oh, case yeah. in high school. <laughs> that could work too. One of our one of our little valedictorians here. I'll figure something yeah. out. But I think this definitely when when all said and done, or maybe perhaps at the end of the year, it'll get one of the superlatives. So There you go. So bravo for the edge of seventeen. I forgot if the the, the yes. was there. <laughs> the edge of seventeen. Yes, the edge of seventeen. So Joey, you've plugged a lot today. 
Um, yep. Anything else you want to plug? What's new on Cage Club, perhaps, or what's what's old that you want someone to listen to? What's up on the Cage Club Podcast Network? Well, we have 18 shows, nine of which are from me, not all nine of which are active right now. What I've been doing, I don't even know if you've noticed or if anybody's noticed, but now once a week on Thursday nights and Friday mornings on the on cageclub.me, on the right-hand column, I have cracked open the Cage Club vault. Ooh. And each week I'm featuring an older episode that people might not have heard in a while or maybe people haven't heard ever. So we've only, I've only done this a couple times. I did a very early Shia LaBeouf movie called Monkey Business, which Mike and I love. <laughs> I also put up the Amos Poe conversation there. And this week... What do I have up this week? I put up, drum roll please, while I refresh my memory. Oh, I put up the Out of Sight episode about Cinemakers, because I just love, love, love that movie. So it's just, you know, a little bit of thing that if you're, if you're caught up on the podcast, which I cannot believe you are, because we have like 550 of them by now. <laughs> uh, if you want things to listen to that maybe you haven't, go back in the archives, go to the Cage Club Vault, crack it open, and check it out. But we do have 18 shows. We put out, on average you know, one a day for a month, so there's always new things, and then when Kyle starts his podcast, you know, probably just in a couple weeks here, there'll be even more amazing content each day for you to listen to with your earballs. <laughs> I was very, very happy, I forgot what week it was, but a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Well, this show, as you guys know, releases on Friday, so cageclub.me mm-hmm. for like a good, solid three days was very Brian Rodriguez-centric. Because my thing was the fir- first thing up there. Again, I forgot what episode. But also, P.S. I Love Hoffman, like you said, was featured on the side for the Amos Poe conversation. Yep. So I, I had a pretty good weekend on the cageclub.me. Yeah. We'll, we'll put it that way. Pretty popular <laughs> indeed. Yes, the one place that I am popular. And what's also nice is that because we don't generally put up new episodes on the weekends unless the 1st or the 3rd or the 11th or the 21st or the 15th, I, there's a lot of days that we put stuff up, but generally speaking, unless like a certain day of the month pops up on the weekend, you know, the Friday post is going to be the most recent one. So for the most part, a lot of weekends, you know, either your episode or the Watch of Throne is going to be the top one for a couple days. So, you know, you got, you, you've been, you know, honestly crushing it with the album art, so... Uh, I'm going to keep throwing yours up there ahead of the Charlize ones that are all just sort of her looking very pretty, <laughs> which is, you know, not a bad thing to have. But, you know, your cool whatever you're doing or the awkward pictures of Jeffrey Dahmer or what are you going to do? Oh, here, here's my recommendation for this episode. Go for it. I love the shot of her in the pet store after the kid walks away, that she's just sort of there in her cool shoes, surrounded by the blue fish tanks, and there's something just, like, beautiful about that shot. Yeah, she that's looks, a great she shot. She looks happy for one of the first times in the movie, so if you're able to pull screenshots, I would recommend that one. Yeah, I'll try to find that one, unless something comes up that inspires me, but that's a really, really good shot, so that's yep. that's a good idea. No, again, I, I like my little uh, Friday Friday real estate, but like you said, the, yeah. the only time, like, it didn't happen was when at whatever day, it, I released some, I guess, the first of June. Was a Friday. Yeah, the first of the month is always a big yeah, day because we've got day. now and again, we've got Fast and Furious, we've got, and then on Fridays we've got your show, we've got Watch It Throne. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot going on on Fridays sometimes. So, Joey, thanks so much for coming on, uh, coming to the slumber party. I hope you enjoyed. Your, of course. I don't think in this episode we played enough slumber party uh, little catchphrases and tropes, and I didn't ask you what sleeping bag you're bringing. What sleeping bag would you have? I'm trying to think which ones I actually did have. I feel like I had a Power Rangers one when I was really little, and then I sort of transitioned to like a really 
boring brown one that was really warm and really comfortable. <laughs> so depending on how old we're supposed to, I guess in high school I would have just had like a boring brown but really comfortable sleeping bag. So that's what I got. That's what I'm rocking. Fair. Ne- next time bring like a cage-themed sleeping bag to the... There's got to be a Nicolas Cage sleeping bag. If right? not, I'm sure there's a website now where you can print whatever you want Probably customize bags. it. Yeah, so, so hopefully. Yeah. But again, Joey, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So that's the end of our show today. Obviously, I really liked this movie. Can't recommend it more. It's one of the best in the genre that I've seen, at least in the last decade. Uh, Once again, thank you, Joey, for introducing me and chatting about it. So as I alluded to before, your report card is in. You want to go over that now? Are you sure? Okay. So in class participation, you guys got a solid C. Not a lot of social media participation. I haven't gotten too many emails or comments, but it's early, so I'm not going to give you the F. Solid C, you pass. Congratulations. In general enthusiasm, A+. Everyone I talk to seems pretty excited about the slumber party. I'm excited too, and thank you for listening and participating. Well, participating by listening, I guess, whatever. In uh, homework assignments... Hmm, let me see... Oh. Oh, this isn't good. Seems like you got an F-. minus. Why? Because John Cusack is still blocking our Twitter page. F- minus means you don't pass, and you know what that means. Well, maybe you don't. I'm assigning you to summer school. Oh, you thought you had the whole summer off from the high school slumber party experience. Guess what? You don't. You gotta stay. And we'll be back next week with another movie. And next week's movie is The Outsiders. And our guest will be Mike Rivera. The Outsiders. Pony Boy, Dallas, Johnny, Cherry, Soda Pop, Daryl, Two Bit, Steve, Bob. Essie Hetton's classic novel comes to the screen, capturing all the intensity, all the excitement, all the emotions of youth. The Outsiders, directed by Francis Coppola. What a cast, this movie. What a cast. I mean, did you hear that trailer? Can't wait to chat with Mike about it, because that's going to be... It's going to be pretty awesome. I mean, and Mike, by the way, you probably recognize his voice because he does the bumper for the show at the beginning. Anyway, remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and the Instagram, listen to us, catch up on the episodes if you haven't heard them on cageclub.me or Stitcher, iTunes, Android. Oh, don't forget to tell your grandma that you're not going to be able to spend that week with her because summer school continues next week. I leave you with, well... I'm always going to take a chance, when I get a chance, to play Stevie Nicks. And here it is, Edge of Seventeen. Later, dudes! 
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. <laughs> <laughs>